Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, it's been a minute, but this is episode eight of the Parlor Podcast. Uh, we're happy to have you back here. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Uh, if you're a returning viewer, we're grateful for your support. My guest this week is Andrew Van, uh, my friend and colleague. Uh, Andrew is a Greenville native, an employee of the Chamber of Commerce in Greenville, uh, one of the mainstays in the alchemy comedy improv troupe around Greenville, and generally uh, a jack-of-all-trades. Uh, the Parlor Podcast is brought to you, as always, by Joan Harlong and Associates Sotheby's International Realty, uh, the place where I spend my days serving as broker in charge, and I uh, just... Ready to get started. Thanks for coming in today, Andrew. We're really happy to have you. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm still a little uh, flustered. I, I still, I, actually, I felt all genuinely honored being here because even my wife was like, didn't that feel like business people and people who are like really big role models? I'm like, well, first off, thanks. Uh, second <laughs> off, you know, if he wants me on there, I'll totally do it and do the best I can. So, uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Well, yeah, obviously you're a really wonderful guest for us to have because of what you have to offer. What we try to do is get guests that our audience will be interested in, and Andrew has a lot to talk about from a lot of different areas that I think people will be interested to hear. Uh, let's just launch right into it with our icebreaker yeah, questions. So just in a couple of words and a couple of sentences, who is Andrew Van? Ooh, a couple of words. Uh, so I am born and raised in Greenville. Um, I'm a first generation from Vietnamese immigrants. Uh, my father moved here after the Vietnam War and decided to settle down in Greenville after he Got his education from Clemson, studied mechanical engineering. From there, worked in engineering for a few years, and he, he owned a restaurant. From there, owned a convenience store and another one. Uh, was just self-employed entrepreneur for several years. And growing up, you know, I, I grew up uh, in the public school system. Went to Pelham Road and Greenville Middle and Jailman and uh, USC Upstate to finish up my degree. And uh, from there, I, you know, I worked for my father. Worked retail over time, and then during along those lines, I was trying to find my own path because I thought maybe one day I would take up under my dad's shoes and uh, he retired when I was 21. <laughs> so I was like, okay, maybe I won't do what yeah, he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I got to do my own path. So uh, I studied business administration at USC Upstate because when I was graduating in 2009, that was obviously the recession and I was starting marketing originally. And then what happened was I got pulled into the office at USC Upstate and they said, hey, in order for you to continue your marketing degree and finish with a background in marketing you have to wait a whole year for this core class to come back yeah and I was like well what's my other options because I don't want to wait a whole year just to graduate one thing and they're like well you can change it to business administration we'll change it and insert some HR classes some you know just basic classes and you can go with that degree I was like okay so then from there I um 2010, that was obviously the back end of the recession, and it was hard to find a job. I worked at Wells Fargo for a while. People always ask me, well, why did you work at Wells Fargo? And I said, because they're the first person to say yes to my resume after, like, hundreds and hundreds of uh, yeah. resumes. Yeah. And so I worked there for a few years, and along the line, that's when I kind of came into finding um, my friends and associates and colleagues at Alchemy Comedy. They had just started about six months prior to the summer of 2012 when I started taking classes. And, and the reason I started taking classes was because I was going through like a weird bad breakup and I wanted to do something that was fulfilling for me because I think my philosophy is, is like um, I don't enjoy when people can't find their own identity. I think it was, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's just to me when people latch on to someone else's um, hobbies and interests rather than like 
finding their own. And mm-hmm. I was I was guilty of being one. I was like, you know, if I'm going to date someone, I'll just get into what they're doing and make it easy. And, and then when that all ended, I, I didn't know what made me happy. So I Googled stand-up and I Googled improv. And people told me, well, you need to go to Asheville because Asheville's where it's at. And, you know, at the time, you know, I thought that was true. But then, you know, these folks had just started. So I started taking classes in the summer in July of 2012. And... I just wanted to take a jump. I thought it'd be weird. I thought it'd be scary because you know I don't know if that I'm funny. Yeah, but I mean, that's the beauty of it. It's like you don't yourself. have to be. You just have yeah. to trust everyone else. And I'll say this to this day, seven and a half years later, some of the people in that class that I met, we are still part of the company today. We are really close friends. We get together like maybe once a month or every other week, something like that. And some of them are, are guests on my podcast, which I'll talk about later. And in the end, you know, what I learned is it's not about being the funniest in the room. For me, what I really enjoy about being part of Alchemy Comedy is being part and, and developing relationships and being yeah. part of a community. So yeah. we went from having the four founders, just the four of them beginning Friends from Clemson about eight years ago. We just celebrated the eight-year anniversary to now having like over 100 performers in the community. And there's three shows, three nights. I mean, there's three shows, most three nights a week. So that's like 10 shows all together during the week. Something for everyone. Um, and so I got into that and, and really just kind of developed my, my own personality from there. You know, I took improv classes, kind of learned how to have a conversation back and forth, be able to kind of listen and respond rather than like have a joke right in my head and try to yeah. impress people and try too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that really helped me in, in banking. That helped me eventually in real estate that I got into a couple years later. And um, that was around 2015. I got into real estate. Uh, I had been let go from a job. And I, again, it was, it was a weird time because I was unemployed for three months. And I've been told from my friend Landon Thompson, he used to be with uh, Colbert Banker Kane. Uh, he said, you know, you'd be really good at this. Give it a shot. And ironically, um, I tried to apply with his group. They didn't uh, accept me because of my disc assessment. Yeah. And I, and I took a disc assessment. I was like a high S, and they only take like high I's apparently. Disc assessment. Like, like, I don't know. I'm not aware of it's that. It's like a personality test okay. to see like where you fall along the line. And of, you're, like, a part, D, you're like I, a different type. Yeah, I'm yeah. like more social than I am like intellectual. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I can see that. they immediately I'm, I'm were like, kidding. no, we don't. We only take high I's. <laughs> Sorry, that's just who we are. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. Um, and so I, I found a, a, a home builder. They took me on. They kind of trained me for a few months. And then I went on my own with um, Tim Keggy of CDN Joiner. And, you know, I really enjoyed that time. And then from there, I met my now wife. And about two years ago, two and a half years ago, we met. And, you know, funny thing is we met on Match. And we met because, because she... Because it's okay to look. Yeah. She, well, you know, you know, I'll tell you the truth. Dating in today's world is horrible. I met my wife on Tinder. Yeah, and you can attest, it's horrible, because I was on Tinder, I was on Bumble, I was on all of them, and there's people either, I don't know if they need instant gratification, or they need something to, like, hold down the ADD, but people move on so fast, and if you don't capture someone's attention, like, immediately, ghosting is more popular, or, like, just more choices, and I I get it, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, you just, I don't know, like... Maybe the sparks weren't there for other people, but for me, you know, my wife, she she liked one of my photos on Match, and that's how I got the notification. And the funny thing is, my wife uh, has two children from a previous marriage, and I had on my filters no married women, no children, all that kind of sure. stuff. And, uh, you know, nothing against her, but she also probably, I was not like her 
cup like her past cup of tea, right? I was, you know, she was from Virginia, dated typical guys. Isn't that interesting though? Yeah, you know how you can filter people in and out and like say I only want people from this section of the world or this this section of life in terms of the people that I want to consider spending any of my time with to the exclusion of other people, you yeah. know, and you limit yourself. I mean, obviously look at you and your wife. You would have never met had you weird. not gone out in that limb. I say, said, I say it was God's glitch. Something happened where September 6th that night that I showed up on her feed, she liked my photo. I got the email the following morning saying, you know, LBH111, something like that, liked your photo. So I replied with the email. Uh, the photo she liked was my real estate profile picture. And I said, thanks for liking my photo. Full disclosure, there's a lot of filters all over it. Yeah. Uh, she didn't get the joke. And she said, ha ha, nice to meet you, quote unquote. She put meet in quotes. And in my brain, I swear this happened. I was like, oh, God, are you someone I met at like a, a networking event, a date maybe? We've met before, Like, how did obviously. I meet you? Yes. And then she told me after the fact, oh, no, I meant like meet because I've seen your profile. Yeah. And I was like, oh, thank God, this is getting awkward. So we talked for a few weeks um, via text, phone. And then we met a couple weeks later, and our first date was Indie Craft Parade. So, you know, because she told me she likes to paint, she was in art, so I thought, well, this would be a, a great timing to take you to the kind of thing, because she's, she's been living in Greenville for about 12 years, but she'd never been Indie Craft before then. Mm-hmm. Um, but going back to your original question of who I am, so, yeah, so now, you know, you fast-forward that story, and, you know, I'm— Now you're a married man. I'm married, newlywed since January, so about 10 months into it, uh, stepfather of two, um, and— I'm learning every day. I think they say uh, you, you can only learn to walk by running, and that's how it feels in my marriage. It's like every day I'm just keeping up with the set routine that's already in place in the family, and I'm just trying to add my you know two cents, add my uh, worth in there to kind of you know just be some value. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know the old cliche is you don't just marry somebody; you marry their whole family, and, yeah. and you live that you know every day. So I can imagine that it's it's a learning experience for sure. You know, most people think, uh, you know, get married, then kids, whenever, yeah. whenever we can it's figure that dynamic. out. And then you marry right into it, and the kids are there as part of, part of the relationship. So that, what's your experience as a stepdad been like? I mean, I'm sure people are curious about that. That's it, probably something you get asked a lot. It's definitely had a lot of ups. It's definitely had some downs. Um, and it's just me kind of learning my role in the, in the family, but at the same time, learning how to... So, like, the kids are full of love, and they're full of knowledge. They're full of just joy. Sure, they're kids. And, and for yeah. me, it's weird because they're not my blood. I know that. At the same time, like, how do I connect with them knowing that without basically ever feeling like I'm trying to replace their dad? Because they're mm-hmm. not. Their dad's yeah, in the picture. He's a good guy. Yeah. Provides well for them. I don't ever want to feel like I'm ever taking his place. I'm not trying it's to— It's not even him. a competition. Absolutely not. And that's never how I wanted to, to perceive yeah. for anyone, whether the kids, her, or him especially. Uh, I respect him a lot. But, you know, the thing for me is, like, where is my role that is within my lane? And so with that being said, I I, I find it interesting because, um, you know, the other day I was having lunch with uh, my, my stepson, Landon. He's nine, and he's in fourth grade. And, you know, before I think some of the kids would just get confused because, you know, he's Caucasian, blonde hair, blue eye, and me. And they would be like, is that your dad? And he responded the other day. In the past three times, he'd been like, no, that's my stepdad. Last week, he said, oh, that's my dad. Like, he just didn't care anymore. Yeah. He just didn't label it, which made me kind of sink, like, a little feeling in my heart. And, you know, with my little girl, she she loves it when I come visit her at school. She, one time, I swear, like, she was coming out of the line to the lunchroom, and she's so happy I was there. She, like, 
threw down, spiked her lunchbox, and like ran to me and gave me a hug. And I was like, oh God, we gotta pick that up. So, um, the experience is there because it, it, I'm trying to make sure I explain this correctly. We've been reading a book, it's called Children, the Challenge. Mm -hmm. it's, it was written back in the 80s, and it's kind of a timeless book. There's a lot of case studies in the book, and they talk about different scenarios. And the most interesting thing I, I learned as far as being just a parent, it didn't matter if it's step or blood-related, but being a parent, you have to remember that the kids sometimes don't know how old they are. Oh, sure. They don't yeah. realize that they're only nine or seven. They think sometimes that they have full rights just as much experience to you. So sometimes when arguments come up or when they're trying to test the waters, that they have just as much footing and grounding as you, and they, in a sense, like demand that respect. And if you don't give them that respect, then you can have a tantrum. Maybe they can like disconnect and not want to pay attention to you. And so since reading that book and kind of realizing that point of view more and remembering like how I was raised, I try to, you know, if I'm having a one-on-one -on -one with, with Landon, you know, I'm going to sit there and talk to him eye to eye. If I'm having time with my, with my stepdaughter, then I'm going to make sure like I give her just full on attention, you know, like door closed, phone off, no football on, just kind of talk to her, hang out. And, you know, there are days where she'll just want to go play dolls. Yeah, sure. And I'll just totally just play dolls for like a whole hour uninterrupted and just give her that time. Um, if she's ever having a bad day, she reacts differently with me than to her mom, who she's known her entire life. So I still, f not like necessarily feel like a visitor in the house, but she just behaves differently when I walk well, in. Sure, you're still finding your place as far as all that so stuff like goes. So like the other day, she was having a bad day, and you know she's like you know having a fit. I walk in, I just give her like a giant hug, and then I pick her up and just walk around the house for like 20 minutes. And by the time she had just cooled down, it was ready to go to school, and she was ready to go. So I try to, in a sense, like feel out those moments and know when to chime in when it's when it's appropriate. But you know, overall, to answer your question, being a stepdad, it's definitely it's definitely every day is a learning experience, um, and there are really fun times where, you know, Landon, he's now like four nine, 120 pounds. He's almost like eye to eye with my mom, and he's wearing my old shirts. Yeah, and so that's a cool, weird feeling of like, oh man, I used to fitting that when I met your mom. That's terrible on me. But at the same time, <laughs> it's nice to save money for my wife so we don't have to go buy him so many clothes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's good. And uh, well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change it, honestly. Well, anybody Biden. that's listening can clearly pick up or watching can clearly pick up that you're somebody that invests themselves fully in the relationships that you're a part of. Because being a stepdad is a really, or a step parent is a really like, interesting and unique role because it requires you to carry on these deep nuanced relationships with a child, literally right. with a child that is not a fully developed person yet. You know, I mean, the brain doesn't stop growing until 25 or so. And I mean, I can recall being 21 and almost not recognize, you know, the thoughts that that version of me had compared to the 35 year old version of me now. Right. So, and in order to carry on, you know, an adult mature relationship like you're talking about, and I mean, even being aware of the fact that you have to offer a child the, re the respect that they deserve, you know, that, that, that's a high level of emotional intelligence that you're displaying right there, just, in, just simply being aware of it. And gosh, I mean, all the agents in my company will tell you that emotional intelligence is a drum that I beat every day. I mean, it's just, I think it's the key to the world, honestly. It's yeah. almost like seeing the matrix. If you can be aware of your own emotions and even, even more so the emotions of others and take that into account in your decision-making and yeah. how you approach people and things like that. Because a lot, I mean, people cannot tell you what they need. It's, it's hard. 
Especially you know, young. Like, I remember being their age. And even if they're 35, even if they're 65, yeah. they can't say, I need this. Right. It is for some reason, I, I don't know why, but a human being cannot do that. And if they do that, it's incredibly vulnerable for them, and, and they'll almost lash out back at you for having witnessed them in that situation. So you have to be able to intuit these things, whether they're 5, 15, 65, or 95. You yeah. know, that's just part of meeting somebody halfway and caring about somebody. And, uh, and you know, I, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by anybody that can do it at a high level, and I'm certainly impressed by anybody that can do it with children that are not obligated to like them. Yeah, you know, and, I mean, and and the thing is, like you know, for me, I, I I try to keep in mind of that to to give them that respect because I want them to develop. Because I think I remember being their age and being where people just label you as like a screw up. They label you as like a, a, a short temper. They label you as you know an underachiever. It's so easy to form a judgment and apply a and label. And then you know, for me, like I had low, a lot of low self esteem growing. I still have it now, but like when that's being drilled on you, being drilled on you, it, it kind of demotivates you. It's like, well, you know what? If that's what I'm going to be labeled, then I'll just be that then. And so for them, like, they're so young, like, I would never want to ever deflate that because, I mean, they're so young now. Like, why would I kill that momentum so early in life? Oh, yeah. You know? So for me, it's like if they have a problem, you know, close doors, we'll hang out, and let's just talk about it. You know, if I can't help, then, you know, definitely kind of inform the mother and kind of bring her into it. And, you know, we'll do a whole thing. And honestly, like, you know, my wife and I, we, we practice going to, to counseling, you know, and that's for us really healthy because we started going to even go to counseling before we got married. That's so smart. We, we preempted um, a thing, and I'm going to jump the gun because I know usually in your podcast you ask, what's a, a piece of literature or something you read? No, that's kind of fine. Advice. Jump right into and it. And yeah, for me, I'll recommend two things if you, if you haven't already. One would be um, uh, John Gottman, his relationship books, um, and like the um, principles for a happy marriage. Okay. And what, you know, for me, I'm more of a hands-on person. And so we took the workshop and I just kind of got a lot out of it where if, if, if I have a disagreement or if I have a conflict, it's, it's better to kind of, as heated as the moment is, no matter what the topic is, to kind of just take that moment as hard as it is to just pause, breathe, think, and then basically assess and go back and forth with my wife of like, here's how I feel, and this is what I'm saying, and then basically have her try to reiterate and regurgitate back what I'm trying to say. So we're both clearly understanding what we're saying yeah. and just kind of work it piece by piece rather than like, you know, me, I would I would used to be honestly get angry. And I would, I would you know, in previous relationships, I would, in a sense, be like my father and be, you know, like, well, you remember this time this, and you remember this time this, and it's just like a big blame game. And then you get into it becomes um, a competition scorekeeping you yeah know? and for me one of the best relationship advice i ever received was i watched chris rock in atlanta two and a half years ago <laughs> and he was at the fox theater and he talks about his recent divorce recent that was like three years ago mm-hmm. and he says I, I said i would never talk about it on stage but i decided to anyway and let me say this the minute you start keeping score it is no longer a marriage because now it's a competition yep. and it's over. Mm-hmm. And so when you get angry and then you start being spiteful and you're like, you know, this time I did this for you and this time I did this for you, then you're not appreciating all the things that are there. So oh, I think yeah. for me, like, you know, if you asked me three months ago, you know, how's being a stepfather, how's being a new husband, I would say it's a challenge. And I would honestly say, man, like we're, t- we're tired and these things are keeping us up at night. Yeah. But now... You know, just the other day, I, I was talking to my wife, and I said, you know what? We haven't had anyone in the house had some kind of issue, some kind of thing where we're getting really concerned for, like, two and a half, three months now. 
I don't know if something's paying off that we're doing or if there's something that is just kind of aligned in this season right now for us. But it felt good of like to look upon something rather than glass half full and half empty. Yeah. Uh, and just kind of being grateful of like, okay, it's kind of like when you're, when you're, when you're, I guess you're processing leads in real estate, right? It's, you're not going to get a sale in your first couple months. That's just how it works. Unless you maybe have like that one friend's yeah, ready to buy. Maybe you might, but, but you're you playing those seats. Yeah. You're, 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 you're calling, you're, you're, you're networking, you're listing, you're doing these things, you're playing these, you're building the foundation. And so for us, it's like, we took a moment, we were in bed one night, we were like, oh my God, we've had really good months recently. And she's like, what do you mean? Like, think about this for a second. And then we talked about it and we we're like, oh God, like maybe things are finally like, like basically like I'm, I'm now like integrated, you know, yeah. like that feeling of like, I don't feel outside anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and the kids it's have always gross. been accepting, yeah, of course. but I felt like it's fine. It was like, oh, we're like a unit now. That's great. You know? Man. So it was really cool of like, we, we just really appreciated that moment and well, we still do. We I, talked about it today for when we had lunch. I hate to beat the drum once again, but I mean, that just brings up the topic of emotional intelligence in my own head. You know, I mean, we're all animals. We can't avoid right. it, you know, and emotions are how we process information. And to me, uh, I think that, you know, loving something or someone is not the opposite of hate, but it's the opposite of resentment, you know, because if you're really going to love something and commit to it fully, you know, you you have to kind of forgive it or them or or whatever, or yourself, you know, I mean, loving yourself is important too. And self-care is not a luxury. It's, it's a, it's a discipline and it's something it's, I mean, and part of self-care is going through what you you went through. You detailed about 10 or 15 minutes ago on this podcast when you said, I didn't know what I liked. I had to figure out what I liked. Yeah. And that's part of what self-care is. That's, hey, what do I respond to? Do I do, I do this because I want people to react to me doing it? Or do yeah. I do this because I want to do it? And, you know, that's, that's part of growing up and coming to know yourself and becoming a self-sufficient person that, you know, isn't emotionally stunted, yeah. you know, and you know, I could, you and I could probably sit here and enumerate on our 10 fingers, people that we know that are emotionally stunted for this, that, or the other reason. It doesn't mean that they're not a functional person, right. but it means that there are difficulties that will arise yeah. again and again and again in dealing with these people. I think a lot of times people, you take the easy way out and you just sweep it on the rug. And I think to some degree that rug is going to get full. And if it gets too full, then it gets un- unleashed and it gets on, un- you know, it just lashes out and then you don't know how to process everything. And then you have to like empty, like basically you're like, imagine like a cup full of depression. Yeah. You just kind of have to slowly drain it out. So then you just, you, have, you start being resentful. You start like taking out these like old yeah. past, you know, thoughts. And then you sit and you're like tired all of a sudden. Yeah. And, and if and you're mad fun. about something in the back of your head, but something right. else is taking place in front of you, for example, you're still just mad. Yeah. You know what I mean? It still becomes the lens through which you're processing information. So you have to resolve those things, you know? So I really commend the approach you're taking, the really intentional approach, because, I mean, I don't, I, I think it's impossible to be too intentional in your approach towards anything, yeah. much less your relationships with other people. Yeah. You know? And so the other book I would probably recommend is, is uh, it's, a, it's a really basic book by now, but The Five Love Languages. Um, ironically, uh, the bad breakup I mentioned that got me into improv, she was the one who recommended me um, this book, uh, and then I found out later that she cheated on me. But that's the irony of the thing. But you know, the and five we don't resent her for it. No, by all means. <laughs> that, that's how I got to where I am today. So yeah. by all means, that was that was the plan, you know? And I'm, I'm totally, I'm forever grateful for that, because if it didn't happen... There's I only one way things can work out. Absolutely. 
Uh, it's like a weird how I met your mother story of that. So anyway, so the five love languages, you know, about like uh, words of affirmation, you know, physical touch, um, you know, acts of service, um, trying to think of the other two is quality time. And the last one is um, gift giving, I believe. And, you know, for me, when I read it, I didn't really understand it at the time because I think I was, I was just bitter. I was like a 27-year-old, and I was just like, you know, well, this is, doesn't make any sense. And then I started reading it more, and I realized, okay, this is not about relationships. This is not about sexual relationships. This is not about, like, boy, boyfriend, girlfriend, boyfriend, boyfriend, girlfriend, girl, whatever. It's about relationships with anyone. Yeah. And I realized, oh, she, uh, <laughs> my father, he works, like, 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. every night when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I never learned to ride a bike with him. I never learned how to swim. We didn't go on a ton of family vacations. We didn't um, get, you know, we didn't play catch. We didn't do, like, the typical stuff you would do with your son growing up. You know, he worked, and occasionally, you know, I would work in his store, and he would teach me some things here and there and, you know, teach me discipline and that kind of stuff. But, you know, he didn't do, like, the traditional father stuff. You know, like, when I had a play in high school, he didn't come. You know, he worked. Mm -hmm. And I think when I was younger, I was really resentful because I was like, well, he didn't really care about me. All he had to do was this and this and this. When I read the book, it made me flashback to all the times where he'd come home late and be like, hey, I thought of you, so here's a Power Rangers toy. Um, you know, hey, I, saw, I thought of you, so I got this for you. He would just, or like, you know, my birthdays would just give me money. And I thought from one aspect, man, that's really lazy. You don't care. But then I didn't realize like, well, He's letting me get whatever I want, and, you know, he's doing his best. So when I read the book, I kind of broke down, and I was like, wow, I'm a terrible son because I never really cared about that, about that perspective of him. Isn't that interesting, though? When you can get outside of yourself yeah. and you realize that it's not really about you, you're just one half of whatever equation mm -hmm. you're participating in, whether it's your friend or your parents or your partner or your stepchildren or right. whoever, you know, I mean, you bring all the, you know, myriad, explicit, and subtle baggage you bring to any relationship, right. but so do they, you right. know what I mean? And people are, I mean, it's a cliche, but people are people, and everybody's flawed, and everybody has their own, yeah. you know, different ways of approaching things and things like that. And books like that, you know, are really useful tools. Uh, I, I, I'm a big believer in the value of story, but not just the value of story, but the value of metaphor. Because right. what a metaphor is, is just a really short story. Oh, yeah. that is this. That right. makes, that's this thing that you this don't understand. This is how you relate. This is what this is, yeah. you know? And I mean, you can, gosh, we can go down any kind of rabbit holes with this, but that's what human history is. Right. Oh, you don't understand this thing? Well, this is something you do understand. This is that, you know? Th th this is a way for you to understand it. And books and whatever else are is that. I mean, it's just a metaphor, a tool um, in another, you know, for lack of a better word, of understanding yourself better, um, borrowing somebody else's brain for a minute, you right. know, and l developing empathy. You know, I I've, gosh, this whole year, I mean, this this podcast, the, the, its very existence comes from me thinking that you have to test yourself, you have to push your own boundaries, yeah. you have to try things, you have to put yourself, push yourself out there. And I've been you know, compelled to learn this year about leadership as a discipline and emotional intelligence and, and all these various things. And it's just, it's the more I learn about it, the more I realize that I want to learn more about it. Yeah. And it's just, it's sort of the foundation for, for interacting with people, 
you know, real estate fundamentally is a relationship-based business. You know, you ha carry on a relationship with the clients that you yeah. serve. And in your professional role, look at that segue, look at that. Yeah. That really good segue. Your professional role in Chamber of Commerce yeah. is all about relationships. And it business is. And business carry on relationships with the community and relationships with each other, relationships with the public, yeah. you know? Um, so talk about that for a minute. What is a Chamber of Commerce? What is the Greenville Chamber of Commerce? So our vision is to be a globally competitive, upstate economy where businesses succeed and people prosper. And we do that by carrying out our mission, which is to lead, convene, and mobilize the um, business community to drive regional economic growth. With all that being said, you know, how do we do that? So we, we have what we call the six pillars we focus on, you know, advocacy, which is, you know, obviously anything to do with like law changes, anything to do with uh, workforce development, stuff like that, mm -hmm. um, transportation and uh, infrastructure. And then we have um, Accelerate, which is our manufacturer's program. Because um, as we know, like basically our upstate economy thrives on all kinds of manufacturers oh, yeah. from Millikan and, and Michelin and BMW, all we that. And, stuff around Absolutely. Here. You know, ZF, all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we have Acceler uh, not Acceler the um, leadership part, which is, you know, Leadership Greenville, Opportunity, stuff like that. We have business growth, which is my sector. And I'll speak about it. basically on the programs manager at the Greenville Chamber. And what that means for me is I run a lot of our small business programs. So a lot of the events, like you see, like Coffee Connections and Business After Hours, our leads uh, networking group called Links. I run five of those starting next year and um, providing those for the community so they have an opportunity to connect with one another. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have diversity and inclusion, which is huge because, you know, we want to make sure that our Focus is to make sure that women-owned businesses, minority-owned businesses are also included in the program. Absolutely. You know, at the head of the tables to kind of make sure their voices are heard. And we, we started something this year which is strengthened. So those relationships we have, those programs we have, how do we keep them and strengthen them? Um, and I'll give you an example of one that is a really cool program we started a year and a half ago is Launch Greenville. Mm -hmm. um, a friend of mine last night, Meg Pearson, she texted me out of the blue and said, hey, my cousin is a rising senior and do you know of any programs with the chamber or anywhere else that has like an internship program for like young professionals? And I said, actually, we started this a year and a half ago. And one of these, basically, we work with the Greenville County School Systems mm -hmm. to provide a internship program through several companies. And when we launched it, we had about 12 students sign off. So it was a decent launch to have 12 students. But then the next following semester, the fall semester of that same year, 2018, we had over 112 sign up. So That's with the great. support of the Greenville County Schools, and what that is, basically, it's kind of showcasing to young people what jobs are out there in the community but on top of that really enforcing reinforcing the like folks who run businesses in the community to say hey you know you have really good resources here in the upstate yeah you know, don't forget that you know these up-and-coming young minds and these couple of young leaders they're going to be huge if we can nurture them we can teach them you know and basically show them the ropes and they're going to help this greenville economy grow absolutely so for me you know i got into the Greenville chamber because and I've worked in real estate for about three years at this point, and I loved it. I absolutely loved working where I was. And when I met my wife, who's now my wife, um, you know, she has two kids. And I didn't know a way for me personally. And I'm sure there's books out there by Keller Williams and all kinds of people like, you know, this is how you have a work-life balance schedule. Oh, yeah, sure. But, you know, for me, there's not one that was in my area of expertise because, you know, I, I'm not their father. Going back to what we said earlier, you, you, I think you had a conversation about, you know, you meet someone, a lot of people traditionally, you're going to meet someone 
maybe in college, right? The dream is like, give me someone in college, then you yeah. guys graduate. Yeah. Maybe have an adventure afterwards before you settle down. Then you get married. Then you do maybe some alone time to kind of get to know each other, get that marriage foundation going. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe have kids when you're ready, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's a whole other life. I don't have that option. You know, I, I came into someone who had two kids already, who had a pretty strong foundation. She's an awesome mother, you know, on her own and yeah. didn't need me to come in, but, you know, welcomed me in when we knew we were going to get serious. And once the kids really got like really close to me, they knew that I was going to be around and be consistent for them. And, you know, for me, there, was, there wasn't a teaching method of like, okay, how do I spend time with them on this crazy schedule, as you know, as a realtor from showing houses from all day long, prospecting, networking, working on the weekends, working at nights, you know, literally writing deals sometimes like five in the morning to beat out this crazy, you know, buyer's market, you know? So how do I do this to, to, to still spend time with them and get the know? Cause I, I just had this like instinct of like, okay, she's really special. And I, and then they're all really special. I want to be the, so I had a heart to heart with her. And she said, I know you love real estate, and I'm going to support whatever you want to do. I said, I appreciate that. So let me just kind of keep working. And if I see something come up, then I'll take a glance. And then one day on Indeed, I saw a position at the chamber that said investor relations uh, manager, which is basically an account manager with their investors. Yep. And I thought to myself, you know, it's a good correlation and transfer my skill set from being really social, from being supportive of my city, my hometown relationship manager. And when I interviewed for it, the funny thing was I interviewed on the Tuesday morning after MLK Day. And I interviewed at like 9 o'clock. No, it was like 8 o'clock in the morning because I had to open the doors. 8 o'clock in the morning. And I was the first interview for that day. And the interview went like 45, 50 minutes. And then the two people said, we're going to um, definitely uh, think about this. It's, uh, really glad to meet you. We're going to pr- give you a call in like a couple days. I was like, great. I went to lunch that day at 11.30, and I got the phone call saying they wanted me right away. And I was flattered, and I, you know, called them back, kind of made some arrangements my other job. And, you know, I, I, told, I told my wife, Lindsay, I said, hey, I have this opportunity, you know. And, um, you know, it's, it's, for me, I had to sit down for the night and really think about something because, for me, it came with a pay cut. Yeah. Um, because I was doing really well in real estate, and I was really enjoying it, but I was also just working a lot. Well, there are different kinds of costs. Absolutely. And, um, you know, if I couldn't make time for her, it was hard for me to make time for my father and, and my, my other family and just, you know, social life, that kind of stuff. So after kind of processing it more, I decided to take the offer and I kind of slowly got out of real estate, put my license in referral. Um, and then I started working at the chamber and I learned about what the chamber does, the initiatives, where we're moving forward and um, how we're trying to create opportunities for Greenville and then earlier this year, I became the programs manager, which is more into events and planning, which has really been a sense of dream of mine for a while. I really wanted to get into event management, but I think the, the thing that I've realized over the years when I was trying to get into it was um, either it's really niche or it's really closed off where a lot of event planners are. And this is, this is and, and I say this with no disdain in my voice, but it's like, it's a, it's a lot of women. Um, because a lot of, I don't know if it's a women-owned company or if it's just a traditional thing. Like when you go to tellers and there's a lot yeah, of female tellers, absolutely. you know what it is, or just bankers. Mm-hmm. But there were just a lot of female event planners. So for me, it was a different world. And I luckily somehow got the opportunity to do this. My boss really, really advocated for me to, to, to give it a chance because last year um, they we had an event at the Greenville Convention Center. 
and they handed me a mic and they joked around like, well, you're the comedian, you know how to be funny and we need to do a 30 second round robin. Yeah, so there was like, funny. yeah, there was like 60 people in the room and, and basically the gist was <laughs> I had to MC moderate Every and basically nightmare. hit the bell every 30 seconds and have people come up, talk what they do, bell, back and forth bell. And in between, I would just, you know, have fun and be like, okay, so if you need to have your dog wash, remember to come back with a blah, 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 blah. And, you know, we got good feedback from it. And I think that transferred to something else. And someone said, you know, he'd be really good being like our personality or MC, just being that, you know, that uh, optimistic person you see race up. So I took it, kind of ran with it. So now with my programs that I run with the chamber, I try to make sure we have an initiative, we have... Uh, an agenda we follow, but at the same time, you know, just having a good time because no one wants to come into a stuffy room and be awkward and pass yeah, on business cards. People hate yeah. a classroom environment when they're Absolutely. adults, you know? So that's really cool, man. And I, I mean, we're grateful just at our company as you being our contact over at the chamber and, you know, availing yeah, your sister's us. done some of the programs with us too, and she's really enjoyed them from what I've seen and really connected, like the mentorship programs. Yeah, like that. I mean, everything so. that you guys have to offer is really valuable. So, I mean, we're Greenville is lucky to have the chamber, and they're lucky to have you. So, it's uh, it's a good it's a good organization, and I look forward to seeing you grow in that role. And as the chamber, as Greenville continues to grow, I mean, you get you corner me and ask me about Greenville real estate, and I'll go on and on and on about how <laughs> bullish I am about this region. You know, I mean. My gosh, I think that if you're getting a 30-year mortgage on your house, you should be thinking about 30 years in the future. Yeah. You know, you probably won't own it that long, but you should think about it. Yeah. And I think Greenville has has a lot of good stuff ahead for it. Yeah, I mean, what was the statistic that came out a couple months ago saying that in 20 years, we're going to grow by 227,000 thousand in the county? I mean, that's like almost half the population there is right now. So. Yeah, and I mean, you look at what they're talking about, you know, I mean, they're talking about the high-speed rail connecting Charlotte and Atlanta. Yep. Uh, the meeting yesterday was about connectivity as well. You know, the Lawrence Road uh, Swamp Rabbit extension, which yeah. I'm really excited about because that will be a couple hundred yards from my house and help uh, and, and, you know, increase my everyday enjoyment of Greenville as well. Um, switching gears just for a second. Yeah. Greenville is a really interesting community and we're talking about its growth, uh, but you're the child of immigrants. Yeah. And that's not as common in Greenville as it is in a lot of other markets. So can you speak to that? what your experience has been like. You, you know, know Greenville is somewhat homogenous. It's weird because anytime I take a road trip and I see a sign for like random cities as you're driving, I think to myself how it's so bizarre and lucky on God's grace that my parents chose a really good town to call like my hometown, to mm -hmm. settle in. Because, you know, my dad, so my dad lost everything in the war. My mother lost everything in the war. They got on the boat with family, and they just left. I mean, they had to leave everything behind. Mm -hmm. um, like, literally just a bag of clothes, which is whatever they could fit, and just go. Or they may have gotten killed. Yes. Um, and that was around 74, and they were pregnant with my brother at the time. And when they landed, they had stayed with family, and they had kind of... Uh, stayed in California for a little bit, but then my father got accepted into Clemson University. Mm -hmm. And so he took the opportunity to go out and study out there while my mother stayed with family in Michigan. And so for the first like year or so of my brother's life, he didn't see him that much. Yeah. And it was kind of sad. And so my dad just busted his butt down here, um, studied, 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 graduated in 77, you know, kind of reunited with everyone. And my mom worked during that time in several kitchens, several mm -hmm. fast food places. And, you know, just saved every penny. Yeah. And then my dad got a job at Jurgen at the time. That's now another name, Jurgen Potter Smith and Jurgen Potter something else. And uh, worked there for a while, saved up money again, 
and I think he did some uh, investments, and then he eventually bought a restaurant, which, you know, it's funny, I still to this day, this happened about two years ago, I was doing a stand-up show at Got Rocks, and I was trying to win the crowd over, so I was doing some crowd work, and most people were having a good time, there's like 40 people in the room, except there's one guy, older guy in the corner at the bar, and he, you know, like a typical like biker you would see in a movie, sure, had yeah. the vest, gray hair, and just, yeah, you know, yeah, leather just and all that. stereotype all the way and he was down. just eating some wings, just has back turned to me, and I was joking around, so I was talking about myself, and I was like, you know, I grew up here, born and raised right down the street, my folks had a restaurant called The Ugly Biscuit, and I saw him just, like, nod his head, and he was just like, yeah, and I was like, you know that place? Like, yeah, you see it all the time when I was young, man, it's awesome, your mom's Miss Kim? I was like, yeah, so, you know, the... I still bump into people today that remember that restaurant. And they were the second owners. They weren't the first. They bought the franchise from someone else. Yeah. But they kept it going and, like, would go in the uh, the restaurant every day, like, 4, 35 in the morning, make fresh, handmade, drop biscuits they learned from uh, friends and family, stuff like that. And they just ran a little country-style restaurant right across from Bob Jones University. And when my father decided to change industries and, and wanted to go into convenience stores rather than um, restaurants, that's what he did. And then I was born along the way. So they chose Greenville because they saw just a lot of potential with the city. You know, they'd pretty much fall in love instantly. Yeah. Even then, you know, when there wasn't anything as nearly as you recognize it now. Your dad became aware of it through Clemson, I imagine. Clemson. I'm sure people talking when he was working at, in construction and yeah. an architect with Rear and Potter, like they just mm-hmm. knew developments are coming and coming and yep. coming. Um, and so they just they just stayed, you know. And it was it was a hard thing for them because the closest family they had, aside from that, was in uh, Asheville and Hendersonville, I think, in Brevard. And they had some folks in Florida, but most of the family was in Houston, Oregon, California, and then back in uh, Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So you know, my dad knew that this was a good place, it was a good opportunity for him, and he wanted to take care of you know my then brother, my mother, and eventually me. Uh, I came almost 10 years down the road after my my brother. I was known as the surprise child. Hmm. And, you know, that's that's just how we kind of stayed. So I grew up here, and this is all I've ever known. You know, like I said, I, I shout out to the schools I went to earlier. And, you know, I've traveled a little, a little bit here and there. But anytime I travel, I mean, within like a week, I get really homesick of Greenville. Yeah. I think I just find it really, for me, my wife thinks the same. She grew up in a really small town in Virginia. Mm-hmm. And she moved here for a job at Milliken. And, you know, never thought twice. And for me, you know, same thing with me is like, you know, I, I would totally be here for a while because I can't see myself anywhere else because I just, I know it like the back of my hand. Um, I've seen it grow in just the past eight years. Yeah. You know, the irony is when I was doing Alchemy Comedy seven and a half years ago, I had just bought a house in Simpsonville. I bought the house in Simpsonville because I thought to myself, well, I'm never downtown. I never go out that much. And I don't do like the bar hopping thing because we didn't have the same downtown eight years ago that we do now. You know, I think that right in the middle of downtown Main Street, you had um, the G Spot, whereas now, you know, um, Cantina 76, right? We didn't have the Clemson One building at mm-hmm. all. You know, yeah, it was a I whole mean, it, different look. It's hard to even imagine, but yeah, I mean, even 10 years ago, it was dramatic. And it was still growing and, yeah. and up and coming at that time. But, you know, in the lifespan of Greenville, all this recent stuff is, is very recent. Yeah. And, you know, there were times where... I thought going, coming out of college, like maybe I should move, maybe I should find something else because the job market's terrible here. But you know, it's not really. I mean, I'm not finding here, but I just kept saying to myself, like, I don't know if I could do that. And it wasn't really that I didn't want to take the risk, but it was more like I didn't want to be too far from my family because mm-hmm. my parents are here, uh, my brothers in Charleston, and if I go anywhere far, bro, like I, I know in my heart, like I would just be a little sad and, and not fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So I always just kind of, you know. 
I, I just, you know, it's, it's hard for me to leave. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a pretty universal experience that people that come to Greenville have. I mean, we see it all the time in our work. And it happened to my family. I mean, we moved here when I was five because mm -hmm. my father got a job at a law firm in Greenville. And he had grown up in a small town in South Carolina. And it was close to home, but it wasn't home. But it, it becomes home pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I've lived in other places as an adult because I think sometimes you really have to get out of your own ghetto a little bit yeah. to, to value it. And I did. You know, I think there used to be a perception in, in Greenville that um, you, if you wanted to go out and do big things, you need to go literally go out yeah. and leave Greenville. And that's why I'm so grateful that we have organizations like the Chamber and they're doing like what you're doing, talking about connecting, you know, some of the best and brightest high school seniors to some of the, you know, movers and shakers in the region that show people, you know, you don't have to go to the big city yeah. to make a living in this world or to make a difference or to do whatever you want, really. I mean, if, if you name it, you can find it in Greenville. You name the person, you know, an inventor, uh, CEO, executive, award-winning chef, I mean, people that are really at, at, the, at the forefront of their fields, and we have them in, yeah. in our little town, and they come here on purpose. You know, yeah. they don't just One of our initiatives, we up. have uh, the Next headquarters, and we have three facilities for Next for manufacturing, innovation, and, and, uh, um, and basically what they do is, you know, they house and they help kind of nurture uh, folks who are entrepreneurs, innovators. Mm -hmm. um, I'll give you an example, like Copus with um, Andy. He's been there for 20 years, and he's grown his business, like, phenomenally in just the last few years alone but you know he's just kind of you know homegrown and stuff like that. he's a perfect example um you know i know folks who are in the manufacturing and they you know do stuff now for like they contract with like boeing stuff like that you know just because it's all here yeah so as long as you you know you're willing to in a sense stick with it but at the same time kind of network and work with the folks that are here i mean you just never know what you're gonna find yeah so. and I think, and one of the things that I'm learning, you know, I, I tell my wife that I feel like I'm growing up a little bit more every day um, as I try to acclimate myself to my leadership role in the company and try to add value to people as a leader and as a broker and as a mentor, things like that. But gosh, I found so much value in my own life in testing myself and putting myself into situations where I'm not easily comfortable. Yeah. I can get comfortable. For instance, I'm comfortable right now sitting here talking with you, hosting this podcast. But man, nine months ago, it seemed like a crazy idea, yeah. you know? And I didn't know how we would get it started. But you've done the same thing. You know, you have a podcast that I've guested on and I'm due to guest on uh, in the future. And you have another one as well, right? You have two that you host. Yeah, two I host. One of them is the uh, It's Your Podcast. The essential thought there was I wanted people to come in and just tell their stories. You know, some same idea kind of here where it's a 80-20 conversation, mm -hmm. uh, a couple questions here, but basically just let them kind of show the world like where they've been, who they are, and stuff like that, and just give them an outing to kind of be themselves. Uh, I've only had about four episodes there because, again, being a new stepfather and husband's kind of yeah, taking all the time. Well, look, scheduling this is tough. So, I mean, I, and I imagine if you have two little ones yeah. in your life, it makes it even harder. And a full-time job and yes. taking care of family. But the other podcast has kind of been really fun and taken off more. And it's easy to do in a sense because that one is um, – I started off as a joke, actually. It's, it's called False Start, Fake Sports, Real Shots. And it's a joke between my friend Justin Hartman where we were on a online feed on Facebook and um, he made a comment about the Mighty Ducks. Yeah. And then we joked on the comments about like, why would a lawyer ever be allowed to coach peewee hockey? Like in real life, like why would that be a thing? And then yeah. I texted him the next day. I was like, wouldn't it be funny if we had a podcast where 
it's like ESPN's first take, and you debate back and forth over topics, but instead of like sports topics, it's actually just sports movies, yes. but they're real life. And you know, I came with the name, the graphic. You know, I did the I did so much research, and like for me, I had no idea how to do podcasts. But I was just really passionate about but them. But you are doing it and yeah. have done it. And, you know, I, I looked up how, like, how to host it, what kind of equipment to get. And that's been a learning curve over the years, because over the months, because I started with, like, blue um, Yeti mics at first, USB mics. And then I upgraded. Were good enough? No. Well, I upgraded to Shure's because I wanted to get a control board to make sure I knew how to work with pitch levels and stuff like that. Because definitely there were times where people would shake their leg and move the cords around. And, and it I would to, just mess it I up. I had to yeah. learn to get shock absorbers like these on here. I had to learn, like, a bunch of different things. Um, and now I'm learning how to do sound on the fly and editing while I'm recording live. And so I have an upcoming episode that's going to be really fun where uh, my most recent one I did on my own on a whim where um, the morning of Halloween, uh, you know, I, I was hanging out with the kids and I was listening to Clay Travis in the morning. I love Clay Travis. And they were doing a candy draft. People were just calling and saying, this, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. if, this, if this is my team and this is my perfect candy, I pick Snickers as my number one draft pick. And they can do that back and forth. I'm just going to go on the record here and I'm going to say that candy corn is fine and people no, are dramatic. What? People are dramatic. Candy corn is, is that- fine. This is being recorded, and this is going to be out there in the world that you are testifying that candy corn. Let it be corn, known, candy corn is an acceptable candy, let and it people be known are dramatic. That candy corn tastes like wax. Are you kidding me? <laughs> then you can get I'm all this. I'm also a Twizzlers guy, so maybe a it's Twizzlers just is a- fine. Twizzlers made up. So skipping forward, so I, I thought, wouldn't it be fun if there was some kind of bracket for candy? I googled. Halloween candy bracket. There was already one made, and it was kind of a terrible bracket because someone pointed out after the fact that like all the chocolate good stuff is on the left side, and all the other BS is on the other side, including Twizzlers candy versus chocolate. Raisins was on there, and then you know by default Twizzlers made it through to the finals. It's probably so it's, a weak bracket. Yeah, it's a weak bracket. It's a weak. It's a weak I mean, conference. I'm a, I'm a fan of Twizzlers, but I can recognize <laughs> the weakness. I can recognize the weakness inherent in the candy. So, so I started doing that, and that's probably my most downloaded episode, just because I'm just goofing around. And, yeah. And it was just me by myself. And so next week I have a panel coming where we're going to do a draft of um, Thanksgiving side dishes. Oh yeah. Like if you're if you're a team, oh, yeah. if you're a plate to team, what's your number one overall pick? Like when you're in the buffet in the line with family. What are you scooping first? So when I was in law school about seven or eight years ago now, uh, I was invited to another family's Thanksgiving. I was trying to make an impression on this young lady. Uh, it didn't work out eventually, so it's all good. But uh, I learned uh, in this interaction um, what I can cook and what I can't cook. Yeah. And I make a mean green bean casserole. Really? Because it is about the easiest thing to cook in the world. I don't know if people know that. With the little crunchy onions and everything like that? Yeah, it's just like cream of mushroom soup, green beans, fried onions. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. And it's amazing, I guess. And it makes you look (laughs) like you know what you're doing when you show up with it. And, you know, perception is reality. So if you show up with a big casserole dish and it's nice and toasted on the top, it doesn't really matter how it tastes. You look like you did some real work. Exactly. You know, it's it's all about presentation. Marketing. Yeah. Marketing. Well, let me ask you, uh, what made you decide to do a podcast? I mean, it went from an idea to to let's do this, and yeah. oh my God, we're doing it. One of my good friends about 2011, so almost about eight years ago, nine years ago, 10 years ago, whatever, he went back to WKU, West Kentucky University, to study journalism communications. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, his name is Jason Martin. He's now on Fox Sports Radio in Nashville. He does a Nashville show on Sundays. And he used to produce Clay Travis's show and does other things for Fox Sports. He does, like, blogs and stuff like that and reviews. Mm-hmm. And so we had a podcast where it was basically just us talking about pop culture. It's called uh, Certifiable Total Recall. I really don't recommend it because I was such a spaz in 2011. It's a lot of cursing vulgarity, so don't, don't look for it. <laughs> it may not be out there anymore, but if it is— But Google it if you're curious. Don't download it. It's bad. Anyway, so I just had a lot of fun doing that with him. And then when he graduated, you know, he moved on to bigger, better things I had just listed. So sure. we, you know, put a halt on it. And I just always had that bug to do another one. And, you know, he did all the producing, though. He did the recordings. I just chipped in. I Skyped in. And yeah, he yeah. just transferred the editing, all that kind of stuff. So eventually, you know, when I joked around with my friend Justin about doing this podcast, I said, okay, well, I'm fully committed. I got to go buy a Mac. So I bought a Mac bought the equipment, and then eventually just kind of slowly pieced it together, read a bunch of forums, YouTube videos, just learned on my own, and consulted with friends who had done podcasts themselves, and just kind of really kept working at it. And now, you know, for me, I can do the editing and all that within like a week for myself and just have a really good time. And, you know, at the same time, just kind of think of different ideas. And, you know, it's, it's, it's not the most... It's, Here's the thing. I'll be humble. So it's not the funniest podcast by any means. I try to have a good time, and everyone else does too. And sure. We, we, and you've been on the – we improvise most of the time. I have like a like a list of the questions, but it's you really just coming up with the material as my guest, just riffing with me back and forth. Yeah. So – but for me, I like to put what's unique and fun content because I think right now, you know, that's just what we need more of. And I know there's a million podcasts out there. Well, the world is made up of two kinds of people, innovators and imitators. Yeah. And if you're not doing something first – you should do it better. Yeah. And if you're not doing it either one, I don't think you should do it. Yeah. So, um, but if you have your niche, you know, and what you do, I think you should lean into it absolutely. Yeah. You know? So I'm, I'm trying to think of other ideas to kind of keep it fresh and going. So once in a while, we do have a segment where I invite someone to kind of either talk about either wrestling, which oddly enough, I'm into. Uh, oddly enough. My wife asked me, you know, what is it that I like about wrestling? And I said, you know, I know it's terrible stories, and I know it's terrible drama, and I know it's awful stuff that you're watching most of the time, but it's just, it's like a wreck where I can't take my eyes off. At the same time, I think for me, being a performer, improviser, and a comedian, I love feedback from an audience. Yeah. There's something about audience, not even manipulation, but audience like that that energy you feel when you're on stage. You it's just like did a crowd TEDx. psychology. Yeah, you just yeah. did TEDx recently, so you could feel it. Like, being in front of an audience... You know, you have either a couple dozen, a couple hundred. Like, those people, like, the biggest audience I've been performing in front of was, like, 200. And I remember just that feeling of, like, people standing up and applauding for the stuff we had done for, like, the past two hours. Oh, man. It's and, crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And so, like, I think for me, like, that's why I actually really enjoy wrestling. I enjoy people going out and doing what's called, like, shoots on the mic. And they're, like, talking to either trash or they're talking it up. But just doing promos and the crowd roaring or the crowd booing. There's some fascination sociology for me that I really enjoy about wrestling. And that's really the only thing. Like, for me, I could care less holding the belt. I could care less who's got this title. Yeah. Me, it's more like, how is this guy on the mic? Or how's this woman on the mic? Are they killing it? Awesome. I want to listen to that all that's day long. That's awesome, yeah. man. I love so. that you're so, like, locked in on, like why you like it and because i mean it's okay to not know why you like things and just say well it's just compelling to me and i enjoy it but if you can lock in and say this is why i like it and this is what i want to focus on i think that's really cool a lot of times i i tell people my favorite anything is passionately recommended and i like to think that if somebody is into something yeah i can find a way to assume their perspective and try to find the value that they find in it yeah and I'm realizing as we're sitting here talking about this, I need to connect you with my friend Jake, who does some video work 
with us. Um, Jake has some WWE experience. Oh, nice. And he's been, uh, um, as a wrestler, and he's been uh, um, telling me that we should go to the Raw event. when it comes I've got to tickets already. Soon. All right, I'm excited. <laughs> I, I'm in. I'm in. I've got We're tickets going. for me and uh, Landon because he's, he's, he'll go to school, and when he has free time, YouTube, random stuff, kids talk about wrestling. And, you know, oh, yeah. he'll ask me about John Cena or the Big Show and The Rock and stuff like that. Uh, he didn't care that I saw Ric Flair last month because he didn't know who Ric Flair yeah. was. But uh, I haven't told him that we got tickets. I'm looking to surprise him soon. But, uh, Dude, that's awesome. It'd be a fun experience. Well, it, 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 the live, a live show is super fun, too. Well, that's another just cool thing. I mean, if you like what kids like, you know, I, I've been a, a man-child for most of my life as a 35-year-old yeah. who enjoys video games and comic book movies and I can probably it. explain the backstory of every character who shows up on the screen for three or four seconds in way more detail than you'd ever care, care to know. But if you're 10, a lot of times you do care to know that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I've always been able to relate to those, you know. Oh, yeah. He's the, always... The kids talking about kid stuff, which is, I suppose, a blessing and a curse. But, yeah, I mean, getting on the level, I mean, talking about wrestling with your stepson, I can imagine that that's, that's kind of a, a nice little thing to share. You yeah. Know? That, that's pretty just, cool. You know, for me, it's just like the experience. You know, that's I want cool. him to say he went to a show, he had fun, it's loud, crazy, all that kind of stuff. You know, like we went to a, a Swamp Rabbit game recently, and he's only been like maybe three, but you know it's been they just started the season again, so it's been yeah. a long time since we've been. Mm-hmm. And I just seeing his face watching because he's not in the sports, he's really not, and like I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, I love football. I love watching you know everything I can see on ESPN. I love you know I just, I'll sit there if I can, but you know I have to be a parent. Yeah. Other than that, like you know he's not interested, and I'm you know we don't encourage it. He doesn't want to play. He doesn't yeah, have do to do your thing. But for some reason, like he'll he'll come and watch the Greenville Drive game with us. He'll enjoy it, but. When we watched the hockey game, he was, like, super into it. Yeah. And it was the noise, the atmosphere. It was like a party. You know, he's been in the Triumph game with us, and he had a good time there, too. Oh, yeah. But there's something about the Swamper. He just, like, he really was uproaring. He That's was great, dancing. Man. And so for me, I was like, cool. He's into that. He's going to totally love wrestling. Yeah. Just because oh, yeah. it's that, yeah, that yeah. weird energy and that fun vibe. It's like the hockey fight, but, like, the whole time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, that's good so. stuff. Awesome. Andrew, we've hit on... I think everything that I wanted to cover, and in the spirit of uh, having Andrew on, uh, I didn't use any notes today. This has all been improv. So, uh, is there anything that you want to touch on before we sign off today? You know, anything we've, we haven't talked about that you'd like to take this time to take advantage of the small audience you may or may not have, and 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 say out to the world. There's uh, there's so many things, man. Life is always changing, and um, I think it's interesting. To me, I was I was having. A conversation with my wife the other day about how people compare things too much, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I actually, I hate telling people that I do improv. I hate telling people I do stand-up because immediately the reaction is always like, tell me a joke. Yeah. Do your shtick. Someone did it to me really like, do your shtick in front of like a group of people. Mm-hmm. And my reaction is always going to be like, no, well, you didn't pay me first. Yeah. Uh, or some kind of excuse to not do That's it. That's an okay people, joke. Because people don't understand <laughs> like, kidding. you can't just do that as a comedian or whatever. Yeah. You know, it's like, you don't go to someone who's like, oh, what do you do? I'm a chef. Oh, give me a oh, steak. Oh yeah, cook you know? something. Right. You know, or, or you don't go to a doctor and be like, look at this on my butt. You know, you don't do that. <laughs> But for some reason, like, comedians take it the most, and you always put in that weird spot to impress someone. Everybody thinks they're funny. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's an accessible thing, because mm-hmm. everyone thinks they're funny, right? If you say they're a surgeon, no one's going to say, well, cut me real quick, because that's a skill set that's really rare, yeah, right? Yeah, it requires training. Exactly. Yep. But people think it's so accessible, so you can, oh, and they also that you can take a joke, yep. right? So you're like, oh, and ribbed, and that kind of stuff. So for me, it's uh, I was always telling my, my, my wife that, you know, it's funny that, 
people compare so much because you can say like I do this and people are like well are you as good as this or have you are you as good as this thing that I've seen and you're like well clearly not otherwise I'd be bigger or I would have a bigger show as a fat yeah you know and I think for me people ask me about improv or ask me about stand up I'm like well what is it that you want to do you want to be on SNL I'm like that's not my world you know for me my world is I live in Greenville I have a wife who I adore and love to spend time with I have two kids that I treat as my own, I spend time with. And, you know, right now, my job is going really good. I really enjoy the stuff we're doing for Greenville. I enjoy being close to my family. I take care of my dad a couple times a week. Um, My dad recently was diagnosed with MSA, which is multiple systems atrophy. It's a form of Parkinson's. Um, And so his body's slowly shutting down. And if I wasn't able to go be flexible when I need to be with my job and do stuff remotely and still hang out with him for a few hours, like like on, on a long lunch or something, mm-hmm. I don't know what I would do. So for me, you know, people ask me like, "Well, what does he want to do?" Like right now, I'm doing what I want to do, yeah, and I'm okay with that. You know, like people are like, "Well, what is your goals in like five years?" You know, I don't know because my life has changed so much in the past couple years. You know, being being a new husband, being a new father, you know, new job, new, you know, stuff like that. So and my dad now with his recent illness, so yeah. for me it's like, I can't answer those goals questions because life changes you all the time. Life changes and throws you curveballs. And for me, I'd rather be ready to, to hit those curveballs rather than look back and be like, well, I didn't make, you know, this volume in sales this year. I yeah. guess I'm a failure. I'd rather be like, you know what, this happened to me this year. Now I got to adjust. Now I got to find a new plan. And, you know, when things get stable, they'll get stable. Otherwise, it's kind of like, um, I guess, some parents who put a pause on their profession, right, to raise kids. Sure. The kids are nine and seven. They're going to need us for a long time. And I'm totally fine with that. And the fact that I'm able to, to you know, come home before my wife comes home, before they she picks them up for school, have a nice, warm, quick meal for them. I do a lot of cooking in the house, which I really enjoy because it's therapeutic for me. Yeah. Um, and that I'm able to take a long lunch, take care of my dad and see how he's doing, just checking on him. I'm able to still spend time off on the weekends and get things done and still perform at least once a week, if not every other week, additionally, and do like at least six, eight shows a That's month. That's awesome, man. I'm fine. And I still travel. You know, I've been to like, you know, Charlotte, Raleigh, New York. I've been to Atlanta, Chicago, um, California, performed in different places, Virginia. And I enjoy, I enjoy even the networking aspect in comedy. I enjoy just getting to know other comedians and seeing where they go. I met a guy um, a couple years ago now. He's a writer on SNL. Yeah. And to me, like, I don't want to ever compare myself to them because I'm genuinely happy for that guy. And I think that's the thing, going back to what I was trying to start this conversation, I think people don't, they're not happy for other people. They're, they'd rather resent rather than be like, oh, that's awesome for, you know, like, You're if I saw totally you make right. a huge sale, totally I'd be like, dude, right. that's awesome, Jack. You busted your hump. You should earn that sale. It's awesome. I wouldn't be like, I could do that and I could do that better. I think that's what people do so much. It's hard. They compare it's and hard. they resent and they just get bitter. And I don't understand it. I mean, I find it happening to myself. Say I I turn on a comedy special on Netflix or whatever. I think I'm a pretty funny guy. You know, I'm like, I could do that. And it takes away from my enjoyment of the experience. And I have to to check myself and have to actively be mindful and say, it doesn't matter whether you could do that. You're not doing it. You're sitting on your couch watching it. So just do that. It's humbling to fail. It really is humbling to fail because I, a couple years ago, did a show for Alchemy where it was a trivia show, game show, with um, live current events. Mm-hmm. So it was basically a, a spinoff idea of like NPR's Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me yes. mixed with a trivia show. And I had maybe 
a month and a half to plan this show. Mm-hmm. And I had like three people help me write like different jokes, limericks, all that kind of stuff. And it wasn't until the execution of the show, I was like, oh my gosh, these things are so hard to do. This just isn't going to work? Yeah, well, I mean, we did it and it was a really fun time, but it just made me get, I don't want to do this like all the time. Yeah. I, I, like I would rather do what well, I do work. normally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you but this for form, Yeah, like you have to just adjust, but it was just, it was just so immense. It made me just appreciate like listening to NPR more. I'm like, man, like yeah. their writers, like, they, they're killing it. You know, Daily Show, they're killing it. Um, you know, John Oliver, they're killing it. All these guys oh, yeah. doing these things like live daily things, like they're just all over it. Yeah, and I mean, to bring it back home, to talk about emotional intelligence once again, thank you for giving me that opportunity, Andrew. I think uh, it's key to just remember as a person, you know, when people are sharing their life with you and their successes and their endeavors and their projects, you know, to not react to them with how does this, what does this mean for me? Right. You know, because if you're secure in your life, if you have what you want, then you're not in competition with anybody but yourself from yesterday. I know that's a cliche, right. but why are you worried about what anybody else has if you have enough? You right. know, if you have that's what their you, path. If you have what you want, why can't you yeah. just be happy for somebody else? And I'll tell you, it's almost like being able to see the matrix in terms of being able to like hack people's reactions to you yeah. if you just ask them about themselves. Act like you care. Not just act like you care, but care. But you genuinely know? care. Care. Absolutely. What, what, tell me more about that. That's interesting. Blah, blah, blah. You can learn. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody has a story to tell. Everybody has value to add in different scenarios, you know, and everybody has different experiences to bring to the table. So that's what I've enjoyed about this. That's what I've enjoyed about my job, meeting people and learning about, I mean, inherently in real estate, people are ending one chapter and starting another when they move into a house and move into another. So you meet them in these inflection points in their life. You can gain some real insight into who they are as a person by, you know, experiencing how they value things, you know, where, how they go through the thought process of where they're going to lay their head and the lives that their family is going to have in this house or that house or whatever. So I just really, really enjoy that. So this has been a really wonderful, uh, wonderful chat, Andrew. So thanks for taking your time today. Where can people find you? Uh, most of the time you can backslash facebook twitter all the kind of stuff uh yes vandrew uh it's a, it's a pun on my last name and yes and with uh, improv so yes vandrew um yes vandrew at gmail and uh the false start fake sports real shots podcast give it a listen we're on itunes and all the other stuff you can find a uh, thing and um yeah just uh, definitely reach out anytime awesome Guys, thanks for joining us today. I've really enjoyed having Andrew here. Uh, make sure you check out everything the Greenville Chamber of Commerce has to offer to your business and reach out to Andrew if you have any questions about that. And try out Alchemy Comedy. They have classes all the time. Uh, you can start from scratch with Improv 101. Yep. Or you can take it all the way through and join the join the company. And I don't think it matters whether you're funny enough, right? It no. just matters whether you're open-minded enough to get out of your own comfort zone and just try something absolutely yeah well guys and girls and everybody else that's watching or listening thanks so much for your time uh we're always grateful for you choosing to spend whatever time you choose to devote to us and we try to make it worthwhile for you and we will see you next time thanks <laughs>